It's time for Herd Mentality, the weekly episode where you control the discussion today on Locked on Bills. You are Locked on Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. I want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Well, folks, excited to do Herd Mentality today. Some good stuff to get into. Plenty of questions about the offense and Joe Brady and his influence. Some big-picture stuff. Some things about the defense, the schedule. A lot of good stuff to dive into today. Let's get started. First one here comes from Mike. Mike says, Joe Brady is historically a 10 and 11 personnel guy. Assuming that he is a successful long-term offensive coordinator for the Bills, do you see the Bills moving away from 12 personnel once Knox comes back from injury? And if that is a yes, what does that mean for our $14 million a year tight end who is being shown up by our rookie tight end? All right, so a lot of things to kind of dive into here. First of all, Dawson Knox, I don't think is going to be a factor until after the bye at the earliest. So the Bills play the Eagles and then have a bye, and then it's the Chiefs on the road. I think that's going to be your first opportunity to see Dawson Knox if he's ready to go then. So I don't think this is an immediate question, but it's coming pretty soon. Now, I will say this. Quentin Morris played 29 snaps against the Jets in Joe Brady's first game as offensive coordinator, and David Edwards played eight snaps as a big tight end, in addition to Dalton Kincaid playing like 50-something snaps. So there's going to be opportunity for Dawson Knox to be on the field. I think it's very simple. You look at the 29 snaps that you gave Q Morris, and you give those to Dawson Knox. And I think we're all very jaded right now in our perspectives of Dawson Knox because. Not only do you have a circumstance where everyone's eager to see Dalton Kincaid and have him be a big part of this offense and develop into a star, right? That's what we all wanted. But meanwhile, Dawson Knox had a a tough stretch there trying to play through a broken wrist and had some drops, and it was disappointing, right? So you had this perfect marriage of contrasting things that people want, and it just didn't work out well. And I think we're very jaded in our perception of Dawson Knox right now, when in reality, think about the last three years of Bills football, and in some of the biggest moments, Dawson Knox was on the receiving end of some pretty important touchdowns, some big touchdown streaks, some playoff moments. He's a good player, right? And I think it's fair to bring up questions about how this all works together and what schematically Joe Brady wants this offense to be. But to me, it becomes Joe Brady's responsibility to figure it out. You can be a certain style of coordinator, right? You can like to have your personnel groupings that you like and your concepts concepts that you like, but any coach that's worth their salt 
will adjust what they do to the players that they have. And obviously, Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox are a part of the short and long-term future here. I mean, the Bills don't really have a great opportunity to get out of Dawson Knox's contract until after next season. So this is kind of the hand you're dealt, and you need to maximize it. And I think that Dawson Knox should come in and immediately be an asset as a blocker, which should free up more uh, versatile looks for Dalton Kincaid to move around formations. And I think they can help each other. Um, But the return of Dawson Knox shouldn't take away from the receiving opportunities that we want for Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Kincaid needs to be the number two option in this passing game behind Stefan Diggs. That has to be the case. And so I guess to kind of summarize the answer, Knox is not going to come back until after the bye. You had plenty of snaps in the Jets game for Quentin Morris and David Edwards. Knox's return shouldn't reduce Kincaid's opportunities in the passing game. And then let's appreciate Dawson Knox and not have this skewed perspective of him based on our desires to see more Dalton Kincaid and poor performance from Dawson Knox while he tried to play through a wrist injury, right? I think there's we got to blend all that together here to have the right mindset for what this tight end combination could and should look like the rest of the way. Justin says, really enjoyed watching the offense against the Jets. Everybody looked locked in instead of lost. What are some more wrinkles you could see from Joe Brady as weeks go on? Appreciate the question here, and I think we're all kind of curious, right? Well, great start. You aced the first test. How do you evolve this thing moving forward? And and quite honestly, I'm surprised by how much there was an influence in such a short period of time to begin with, which gets me excited about how this looks the rest of the way, including having a bye week baked into it to kind of add even more to this offense. I think, first of all, when you think about wrinkles and things that could happen and be added down the stretch, we already talked about it, Dawson Knox, right? That's the return of a player that should be able to help your offense. I think there's a conversation to be had about Deontay Hardy, and I know his role is very small, and I'm okay with that. I'm certainly not asking for more Deontay Hardy, but you start to think about Andy Isabella as a speed factor for the offense to use horizontally, to use yards after catch type stuff, right? Is there a spot for him in those handful of plays right now that Deontay Hardy gets offensively? That's a question that I'm asking. I think you saw Ty Johnson as a new wrinkle already. Um, I know Leonard Fournette is on the practice squad right now, but I think what Ty Johnson did against the Jets kind of pushes off Leonard Fournette for a little while um, because, well, first of all, I think Ty Johnson just has a better skill set than Leonard Fournette. But also you saw that production happen. And I'd be interested in continuing to find ways to get Johnson the football. He's explosive. He's got good size. He can catch the ball. He can run it. Um, There's a lot to like there. There's a lot more than what Leonard Fournette brings to the table. And so I think that third running back uh, being back into the mix, in addition to Cook and Murray, is something that I'm certainly curious about. I think you've already seen the protection schemes look, look a lot different. I told you, you know, Joe Brady likes five-man protections, some six-man protections. Ken Dorsey, throughout the course of the season, you know, leaned into a lot of seven-man protections at times, even eight-man protections at times. Um, And so that's going to continue to be a work in process. The spread formations that Brady likes, you know, I think you'll continue to see that. Um, But you can run spread with multiple tight ends. It doesn't have to just be four receivers. You can do it with multiple tight ends, and they did that, in fact, 
I think that will continue to happen. And then I think just generally there's just more time to introduce wrinkles, to layer together sequences and, you know, build your counters off of your core principles. And so I think there's just a lot that can happen the rest of the way that gives me some encouragement for sustained performance and, you know, the Bills being able to kind of get back on track offensively and stay on track offensively. Nick says, how much of a boost might have come from the coordinator change versus a coordinator improvement that the play calls and tendencies were just a little different. So the jets couldn't prepare as much. I I said this before the jets game, and I really wanted to hammer it home. The biggest thing that happened in switching from Ken Dorsey to Joe Brady was the fact that there was a change. All right. Ken Dorsey, we're going to talk about him more in the next segment. Ken Dorsey had good wrinkles week over week too, right? I, I watched the tape. I saw things. I pointed it out in the Discord channel. People saw this where he built in layers to what he was doing. It wasn't like he was a stale coordinator that didn't have a clue. The biggest thing was the fact that you just had a change. I thought that sent the right message to the locker room. Time to wake up, right? Like you're not good enough off offensively and there are consequences for this. But I, I honestly believe that more than anything that Joe Brady's going to do schematically or plays that he's going to call or what he's going to add, the fact that you pulled the lever and made the change was the biggest thing. I think it was a wake-up call. I think the players executed more effectively. And maybe there is something to like, oh, they like more of what Brady was doing and it's you know new energy into the operation. Like I totally understand all of that as well. But th- that all just comes back to the fundamental point that I'm trying to make. The biggest thing was the change. The biggest thing was the change. And and credit to Sean McDermott, so far, that looks like the right string to pull at the right time. And hopefully that can continue the rest of the way and they can continue to evolve. All right, we got a bunch more to get into here, including some thoughts on Ken Dorsey. Is Sean McDermott stretched too thin? Plenty to dive into. But look, stick with me. I got to tell you about game time. Look, maybe you want to go to a Bills game. You want to go to a Sabres game. There's some comedy in the area, a theater event that you want to check out. Well, head on over to Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have last-minute deals. They have all-in prices. So when you go on the app and you see a price, that's the price you pay. There's no additional fees coming. They give you a seat image, right, so you know exactly what to look like, what things are going to look like when you get to the venue. Uh, love that. The best price guarantee. I mean, simply put, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets, the app is awesome. They have flash deals. It's easy to navigate. And they send the tickets directly to your phone so you don't have to dig through emails to find them. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The next one today comes from Ryan, who says, is the firing of Ken Dorsey bad process and solely based on a result? I'm not sure if they survive and that missed kick stands if the Bills fired Dorsey. Do you believe they would have fired him anyways? So I, I would agree with you that if the Bills beat Denver, I'm not convinced they would have fired Ken Dorsey. I'm not convinced of that. I think that would have bought them some more time. Uh, Certainly, I wouldn't anticipate Sean McDermott to make a hasty decision, right? He's probably been thinking about this. I'm sure he was frustrated with the offense. We all were, right? Um, And and felt like he needed to give Brady this opportunity to do it. 
And doing that after a win is kind of strange. I, I don't think they, they would have fired Dorsey. And maybe we'll look back at it and think it was the best thing that could have happened because you needed to make a change there. Um, clearly, I think you can listen to the messaging of the players and how the team played and looked um, and, and feel like it was the right lever to pull. Um, but I don't think they would have done it if they won that game. Now, I'll say this about Ken Dorsey. I think Ken Dorsey deserves to be somebody's offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator next year. I think for whatever reason, things got stale and the execution errors didn't stop. But I, I didn't I didn't watch the Bills offense under Ken Dorsey this year and feel like, you know what? Didn't give him a chance. He didn't get, there weren't options, there weren't open players. You know, I I think it really did come back to execution, and I know that there's a bigger conversation to be had about that and the culpability of the coordinator. But I think Ken Dorsey's a, a legitimate NFL offensive coordinator and should coordinate somebody's offense next year. So, uh, but yeah, I do I do think that if the Bills beat Denver, I'm not sure I'm not sure that happens. I, I really don't. Uh, Chris says, "Do you think Sean McDermott is being stretched too thin by being the defensive play caller this season? I'm as critical of McDermott as any other fan." And I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but it just seems like this year has been filled with critical game errors that I believe can be traced back to coaching. I wonder if it speaks to McDermott having too much to do during the course of a game. And as a result, some of the minor details are slipping through the cracks. I really don't buy into this. And I've, I've got this question from several people. Um, I, I did the inventory more than half of the teams in the NFL. Their head coach is also a play caller for them, right? So that this is not an uncommon responsibility that Sean McDermott has taken upon himself. It's it's most teams do it. More than half do it. Um and unfortunately, I think a lot of the things that frustrate us right now about the Bills and I know that we're feeling good out of after the Jets game, but all the conversations I had last week, they're they're still very true. These are things that have been going on for a while, right? Like the catastrophic losses aren't a 2023 Bills problem. They're a problem over the years, right? Being out coached in critical situations. It's happened a lot. And it happened when Sean McDermott wasn't calling the defensive plays. You know, I I don't think I don't think that it's a situation where Sean McDermott is stretched too thin. I think that this has been characteristic unfortunately of his football team for a while now and look it's it's held to a different standard right it's not like I'm not trying to act ignore the success that the team has had they certainly have had it but you look at this Bills team through a different lens it's not it's not a rebuild right your your year was this year seven you have a franchise quarterback one of the best in the game like you have a different expectation and a different lens that you evaluate Sean McDermott through and I think because of that, I look at it differently. If this was D'Amico Ryans with the Texans, you know, you'd have different conversations. But that is where it's rooted for me, is that you look at this team through a Super Bowl lens, like, and we should. We should. And, and they've earned that. That's a good thing to earn. But I think some of these fundamental issues, being outcoached in high-leverage situations, have been characteristic of McDermott, not just this year, but also throughout his tenure. And I think they're, we become more aware of them because this is a long relationship. I mean, we haven't had a relationship with a coach, a head coach, for this long since Marv Levy. And folks, I was like a kid when that was going on. You know, I don't, I've never been 
you know, like dialed into the same head coach for the Bills for this long. So we certainly have had more experiences together, but we've also seen success together. And I think that kind of marriage of what your team is capable of achieving with a coach that has tenure, it changes the lens. So I I think a lot of this stuff has been characteristic for a number of years. Um, and I'm, I'm not giving McDermott the crutch of, well, he stretched too thin. It's been going on for longer than this, just this year. Mike says, what do you think about moving Khalil Shakir to wide receiver too? He seems to be better all around wide receiver, faster with better hands and a better route runner than Gabe Davis. Totally agree with all of what you just said there. And I want to be careful here in terms of putting numbers on wide receivers. I mean, truth be told, if you want to do it, do this. I mean, Khalil Shakir has been a lot more productive than Gabe Davis over the last several weeks, and he's had a, more opportunities than Gabe Davis over the last several weeks. You know, we've been through it. Gabe Davis has a combined two catches in the last three games, right? Khalil Shakir is producing. So I think in, in one hand, you might be able to say that in the pecking order of receivers, Shakir is higher than Gabe Davis. Um, but I, Gabe Davis is helpful for this team. And, and you guys know that I am not a Gabe Davis fan. I hope that the Bills do not extend him. I have plenty of criticisms for Gabe Davis. But his presence on the field enables Khalil Shakir to be moved around the formation and play in the slot. His presence on the field helps the Bills run game. And so if you want to put numbers on the receivers, that's fine. But I think it's about how the skill sets blend together. Khalil Shakir deserves more opportunities catching the football than Gabe Davis. But Gabe Davis still has a useful role within this offense. If you want to label the receivers in terms of pecking order, I think it should be Diggs 1, Kincaid 2, Shakir 3, Cook 4, and then we start to think about Gabe Davis, right? I think that's kind of the appropriate way to look at it. I think Gabe Davis is he's on the field the most, right? He plays more snaps than Diggs. But that doesn't mean he's the number one receiver. I hope this makes sense what I'm trying to say here. I don't I don't look at Gabe Davis. I mean, I guess he is the number two receiver in a sense, but also not really in terms of the pecking order for targets. And I'll um I'll enjoy the last uh, stretch of Gabe Davis here as a member of the Buffalo Bills, and I wish him a lot of success um, in 2024 and beyond. Carissa says, curious about the platoon between Tyrell Dotson and Dorian Williams. Is there a reason each is in? Do they have different coverage responsibilities? Who's looked better over the past couple of weeks? Love this question. I wouldn't call this a platoon. I think what you saw with Dorian Williams getting opportunities on the field is that the Bills have actually had some traditional 4-3 alignments where they have put three linebackers on the field. And I think going up against the Denver Broncos and the Jets, those are teams that like to get multiple tight ends on the field, especially the Jets. I mean, they ran two and three tight end sets a ton, and, and the Jets don't really have a meaningful receiver after Garrett Wilson. You can afford to put that third linebacker on the field and not be concerned about it. And so I think that was just McDermott's way of matching that personnel, and it makes a lot of sense. And so I I, I think in a traditional game uh, where there's not heavy personnel groupings, you're going to see it being Bernard and Dotson as the linebackers. And then, of course, in the obvious passing situations, you're going to continue to bring Jordan Poyer down to the second level and put in Taylor Rapp uh, alongside Micah Hyde at safety. I think that's a good plan. I think that's the right plan to um, mask your deficiencies that you have with Tyrell Dotson, but also 
get what's good out of him. I mean, Tyrell Dotson's a good downhill player. I think you've seen that over the last several weeks, and he's quietly played very, very well. And, and part of that is putting him in positions to be successful and avoiding situations where he could be exposed. And I think Sean McDermott has done a good job of that, and I think that should continue. Dorian Williams, I thought he played really well against the Jets, and I think that started with how the defensive line performed. That started with the personnel groupings that he was on the field against. And Dorian Williams can just see ball, get ball. And when he has to think and process and deal with misdirection and have a lot of real estate to deal with, you know, that's where you see the, the, the problems come with Dorian Williams. So he's a work in progress. It takes time for linebackers. But I think right now the Bills' best plan is Bernard and Dotson on the second level. You continue to use Dorian Williams when you want to go three linebackers. And then to help Dotson, you continue to bring Poyer down to the second level and bring in a safety to play deep. I think that's the right way to use this personnel. And I think that's exactly what Sean McDermott is doing right now and should for the rest of the season. All right, we got a bunch more to get into, including the schedule and concerns about the defense, contract extensions, all kinds of stuff. So stick with me. But folks, you got to check out Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the funnest, most exciting, easiest way to play daily fantasy sports. The format is incredible. It's just you against the numbers. It's not you against thousands of other players, including pros, including Sharks. It's just you against numbers. Here's what you do. You select two or more players. You pick more or less in their projected stats, and you place your entry. That's it. It does not take long. Picks can be made in under a minute. And then when you win, the withdrawals are super, super quick. I love watching all these sports right now. Love them even more when I have a prize picks entry going into a slate of games that just makes it that much more exciting. So go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. The next one today comes from Schultze, who says, how should we feel about the defense going into the meat of our schedule? McDermott and his staff to this point have done a good job scheming around injuries and using the strength of the players while avoiding their weaknesses. How do we continue to get stops to win football games? How do we continue to get enough stops to win football games? I'm particularly worried about the next three opponents. You and me both, Schultze, you and me both. You got the Eagles, you got the Chiefs, and you got the Cowboys all coming up. And, man, you need to you need to find a couple of wins here if you can. Um, what are the keys here? Well, I think to your point, I think Sean McDermott has done a pretty good job of, of scheming around some of the deficiencies. I think having Rasul Douglas in the mix really, really helps that cornerback situation. Matt Milano's not coming back, but they've done a good job with Dotson and uh, kind of Poyer platooning that. I, to me, this I can't help. I, I think about this all the time. It's the defensive line. That's what it's going to come down to. Can the defensive line win up front? Can they control the line of scrimmage against the run? Can they affect the quarterback? That's what it is going to come down to. It, plain and simple. If that happens, everything else will fall into place. But if the defensive line goes out there and can't get pressure and they can't get plays behind the line of scrimmage and, and they're getting gashed in the run game, it's going to be a long stretch of football. It starts with that defensive line. Everything is about that defensive line. And this is going to sound crazy, but I think one of the key players for the Bills over this stretch is going to be Shaq Lawson. I, I, I think Shaq Lawson is a player that is so fundamentally sound, but what he can do against the run and his ability to contain rush is critical. And you have some athletic quarterbacks coming up here in Jalen Hurts 
Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott. And then not to mention you got Justin Herbert coming. Well, we'll get to Tua and Mac Jones, but I mean, talk about true dual threat quarterbacks. You got you got them coming. And your ability to be disciplined with your pass rush is going to be critical. And Shaq Lawson does that. And Von Miller better find himself real quick or else he's going to be a liability on the field with his inability to contain rush, his lack of effectiveness overall. Like he he can't have snaps. If he doesn't find himself real quick here, then it's every play that he's on the field and Shaq Lawson's not on the field, or every play that he's on the field and AJ Epinesa is not on the field, you are you are doing a disservice to your operation. So I think Shaq Lawson is going to be critical here. But I mean, these guys got to ramp up. I mean, and some of these guys are playing good football. You know, Leonard Floyd at Oliver. Another gear need need every bit of production we can get from this defensive line because that's going to be the critical factor. Offensively, the the answer for the offense has always just been play better, right? Play better, and, and so hopefully that'll continue. But defensively, that's where you have some injuries. You've had reinforcements, right? You have Linval Joseph, you have Rasul Douglas. You've kind of figured things out the best you can at linebacker. Everyone's got to ramp it up, and having a healthy dan- tandem of Christian Benford and Rasul Douglas would be nice as well. Be nice as well, and I think there's. I mean, I think you can still get some more production out of certain players within this scheme as well. So, but it, it comes back to the D line. It's all about the D line. Can they get wins? And they're going to. Eagles might have the best O line in football. Chiefs really good middle three. Their interior O line the best in football. Their tackles eh, a little bit a little bit dicey. Cowboys have some studs. I mean, what they're getting from Tyron Smith and Tyler Smith and Zach Martin, really good. So big time tests. Can your defensive line win? That's what it's going to come down to. Chris has a question here that's going to be quite the tease. Chris says, I, I am a few weeks late because I wanted to ask you this at midseason. But in June, I asked you what new one-year players you would like to see extended. At the time, you said Leonard Floyd, Puna Ford, and Taylor Rapp picking Floyd as number one. Well, yes, I would definitely continue with Leonard Floyd as number one uh, in that trio of players. And I, I got a little time before I really have to give you some hard answers on, on some of this offseason stuff. But as I, I I can't stop thinking about offseasons, right? That's always part of my thoughts. I think a lot about this offseason and some of the things that I'm going to be advocating for. And I think the Bills need to think about some resets at some positions. And I don't think they need to be super concerned with extensions for aging players. I think they need to get younger. And I think they need to be willing to say no to some players and even cut some players. And so we'll we'll get real specific with that. But I, I think it's time for some resets, and you can't be afraid of it. We saw the Chiefs reset their entire defense, right? Like literally their entire defense. They've reset their entire wide receiver court. Now, has that worked out? No, but they, ha- they weren't afraid of it, and they won the Super Bowl. They've been willing to reset their offensive tackle position. I think the Bills have to have a real honest look at at what's going on here and have some resets so that way they can kind of reestablish a nucleus around Josh Allen and and infuse this thing with some some young talent. And and look, we'll have some bigger conversations about that, but generally speaking, I'm not going to stress about aging veterans and bringing them back. I think it's time you, you really you really kind of lean into some younger players and have a plan there to Reset some of your salary cap space. Diana says, would you be able to analyze the value that Emmanuel Sanders provided to the offense when he was on the Bills in 2021? 
I feel like the stability he gave us at wide receiver was something that was kind of overlooked and forgotten about once he left the team. And we were never able to quite fill that hole again. But I would like to see what the numbers actually say. Well, I think the Bills offense was better in 2021 than it is in 2023 and 2022. So there's that. But I, I think what, what I want to get into here with this question is the skill set that Emmanuel Sanders provided. I think that's what's really important here. Um, because I think if there's a miscalculation that the Bills have had, and there's been plenty, right? And I think if you look at any team, there's been plenty. But one of the my miscalculations that that really stand out to me when I consider the current state of this team is not being more serious about your wide receiver two position and, and thinking that Gabe Davis is going to be that player. I know that Gabe Davis works really, really hard, but he's just limited, right? He doesn't create separation. He doesn't win after the catch. He's a vertical receiver that doesn't have speed, right? He's a clunky route runner. There's just, there's too many holes in the skill set. And if you had a more complete dynamic player opposite of Diggs, I wonder what this offense would have looked like over the last few years. Now, Emmanuel Sanders, late, I mean, his last season in the NFL, basically, you know, he, he was kind of done. But I, I thought that skill set, like the idea of Emmanuel Sanders, like a young Emmanuel Sanders opposite of Diggs is like a dream wide receiver pairing for me. That speaks to what I'm looking for. I want that number two receiver. And, and Shakir can be the slot and Kincaid can be the number two weapon in, in, the, in the offense. But in that number two receiver, I want guys that can separate, that can win after the, the catch and has some explosive components to their game, a.k.a. not Gabe Davis. And so I'm going to ramp up my draft scouting real soon here. I'm probably going to be pounding the table for a wide receiver in the first or second round. And you better get a guy that can win routes, that can get open, that can create space. Because you need a more dynamic skill set there. And you need somebody that you can look at in two or three years and say, you know what? Yeah, that guy can be your number one. And you better, you got to identify that player real quick. And it's not Gabe Davis. I don't want these contested, I don't want these big bodied, clunky receivers that can't turn, that make a living with contested catches. It just doesn't translate. Separation. Need it. Got to have it. Guys that can win routes. Got to have it. That'll be a, critical in this receiver room and there's going to be some stuff happening here because I, are you going to bring back Trent Shurfield you should probably cut Deontay Hardy you should probably let Gabe Davis walk and so you're probably going to be adding quite a bit to this receiver core in the offseason and I'll be certainly pushing <laughs> pushing for some things that that I preferentially want to see happen at that position all right, folks, there you have it. Herd mentality in the books. Next up, we start focusing in on a big game against the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll have our crossover discussion. We'll do our primer, final thoughts, all of that coming up here over the next few days as we get ready for Bills Eagles on Sunday. So don't miss anything. Make sure that you're subscribed. We'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.